Welcome to Managing Marketing, and today I'm speaking about programmatic and all things programmatic with a friend of mine, Gil Sniff, CMO of Bench Marketing. Hi, Gil. Hi, how you doing? Um, look, uh, you know, you, working at Bench Marketing, and, and uh, you must be so aware of all the hype and discussion happening about programmatic buying, yeah? Mm, yeah, it's been a... It's been a topic in advertising for a long time so there is uh, a, a much more hype now but uh, programmatic's been around for you know at least 10 11 years so it started in uh, 2005 with the right media exchange and even before that uh, with Google around 2000 um, you know allowing advertisers to have ads appear within the search uh, engines so it's been around for a long time, but I think there's definitely been a lot more hype in the last few years. And I attribute that to the topic becoming a bit more mainstream with advertisers. So traditionally, programmatic was something used more heavily by the more hardcore online-focused verticals. So gaming, dating, travel, these type of spaces, but um, you know, of late, it's really kind of come to the forefront, and a lot of marketers are putting a lot more attention and effort into it, uh, and seeing you know what it can do for their media budgets and, and. And a lot of that's been driven by the improved technology and the ability to very specifically deliver advertising or messages to a particular audience, isn't it? It's a lot about technology, uh, but one of the things that we try and emphasize with the marketers we speak to is that technology will amplify core marketing principles. So if you hold a strong understanding in terms of why consumers buy your products and when they're most likely to buy them, then using data-driven algorithms and real-time bidding platforms can definitely amplify that and bring that um, to a, a much higher scale. Uh, but it, it does always come down to uh, a real understanding of you know why why consumers are interested. So in you still product. you still need the smarts to make a, the technology work. Definitely, you still need the smarts. It's a it's very people driven. So oftentimes you'll have great technologies which are very dependent on their operator. Mm -hmm. But you also have a space where there is so much. Uh, noise that you need to really find out why you're doing it in the first place. So, you know, for instance, when we hear about the fuss in programmatic, what we attribute that to is how uh, advertisers get excited when they find a way to disrupt a consumer's day with something meaningful. So with programmatic, you're able to use a huge section of data to actually apply ads to people based on uh, reasons why they would be interested in that ad in the first place and so that that gets really exciting but it also adds a lot of fragmentation in the market so as you know there's there's a lot of different players um, doing different pieces of the pie uh, and it can become quite difficult for um, everyday advertisers to understand yeah look because um, you know wouldn't it be great if email could be programmatic because mm. I don't know about you, but my inbox gets full of spam email mm. because people are just there pumping it out. So yeah. what you're saying is that the promise of programmatic is actually to deliver the right messages to the right people at the right time, rather than just spamming a whole lot of people with uh, with advertising. 
It's exactly right. The programmatic space really is about using automation and algorithms to predict where a potential customer is going to be. So that definitely is taking place in the email and owned media space, um, you know, with different automation platforms like Marketo and Eloqua. In programmatic, it's a little bit different because you're not optimizing owned media. Um, usually you're trying to optimize paid media or media within, uh, you know, large mm. open networks. So it does become a, a much more difficult space and that is one of the reasons why a lot of advertisers kind of are starting to see this as the holy grail because if you can crack it, then you've got a, a big competitive advantage. So let's go back to basics. From your perspective and, and for, at Benchmarketing, when you talk about programmatic, what you know, define for me what that means in the offering to your customers. Sure. So maybe to start with a definition, programmatic marketing is, is really about the use of automation and data-driven algorithms to optimize the serving and placement of ads within networks and exchanges. So basically what that means is that unlike the traditional uh, forms of advertising where a deal is done directly uh, between a publisher or a media owner and an advertiser, now a advertiser can buy this inventory in real time based on a huge number of parameters that they feel are important in targeting their customers. And the process is a, one that's constantly iterating so that whenever a conversion happens, uh, that feeds back to the ad engine, um, the result, and therefore the ad engine can continually hone down and optimize towards the specific customer they're looking for. So uh, what we try and do is take into account the media placement and targeting, of course, but we also look at uh, a very important element which is about segmenting a customer or an advertiser's first party data. And that's a really important um, view because it looks at the DNA of any brand's advertisers, uh, any brand's customers, Cust sorry, customers yeah. and understands how to communicate with them in the most relevant and meaningful way. So as long as a advertiser or an agency is utilizing programmatic with checks and measures in place to ensure that it's justified by um, some kind of conversion metric, mm -hmm. um, then they'll continue to optimize and get better. That's a really important point, isn't it? That your uh, existing customers and their behaviors and the things, because they're already doing business with you, is the primary starting point for working out where to find more people like your customers. Yeah. yeah. So, which is why your first party data, your customer database and everything you know about them is so important as, as a way of informing the strategy. Correct. I think it, it has a lot of similarities to any other um, scientific field where you start with the research and findings that have already been established and then you build on those. So unlike traditional advertising, which has been primarily reliant on a uh, very experienced media planner who presents a plan which has a range of different mediums, both above the line uh, uh, and you know online, and then they um, launch it and deliver out on what they said they would do, and, and that's done. 
In this space, it's actually a lot about collaboration, iteration, and being able to pivot. The importance of listening to the data signals and being agile enough to move when they tell you to and when you've tested assumptions and they've either failed or succeeded is really critical to well, the success of the campaign. Just to challenge you a bit there, the other yep. thing about traditional is it's really been largely based on demographic yep. right, and mass getting as many of those types of people as possible. Mm. Isn't the big opportunity here that beyond demographic, there's also behavioural um, uh, data and behavioural insights, and that mass is achieved by cherry-picking mm. as many of the people that fit your profile as possible? And, and doesn't that make the whole process potentially uh, more efficient and effective? Well, you actually touched on an interesting point. One of the biggest misconceptions about programmatic marketing is that because it contains the word automation, it's meant to make everything easier. But with traditional advertising, most advertisers had to only think about two data points, age and gender, maybe location. And now you've got hundreds of different data points to analyze, mm. whether they be browser or, um, as you said, behavioral information about what we what, yeah, what have they been it. looking at, Correct. what sites do they yep. typically go to. And a lot of the time what's coming up now is psychographic information. Um, you know, Facebook's a great example. Uh, it's where consumers voluntarily submit their consumer DNA. Um, so advertisers can have a field day with just, uh, you know, targeting specifically uh, people based on behavior. But then we can create associations about what, what else they might be interested in and, and find more people like that user. So it's getting progressively more and more uh, complex, but to the, to the goal of becoming more targeted as well. And I like what you said before, which is, see, in traditional media, it's about reach. Mm. Right? How many thousands of people and what's my cost per thousand? Whereas you said the important thing in programmatic is actually getting some sort of conversion. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be about reaching thousands and thousands of people. It should be about getting thousands and thousands of responses or even hundreds of responses or even, you know, 10 responses as long as they're the right responses. Yeah, correct. You know, I, I always uh, compare it to uh, where advertising was. And, you know, years and years ago, it was much easier to uh, promote yourself. There were only a small handful of broadcasting channels, uh, and you could basically promote yourself on there and, and go go uh, uh, strong and, and have a huge amount of reach and probably have some wins from it because there wasn't so much competition. Now there are so many places where uh, you know uh, potential customers are going that you have to have a really targeted approach, uh, or you're going to waste a lot of money. So what we try and do is always uh, implement a strategy around performance-based programmatic, and that's not necessarily where the goal is a sale or a lead. It can be an awareness or an engagement campaign, but it has to have some kind of performance element to it so that an advertiser knows whether it was effective or not, so that they have a barometer to say whether you know, one vendor is better than the other mm. or one uh, supply-side source is better than the other. So it's really the first time in the advertising space where the power is back with the advertiser. Because traditionally, the supply side, the publishers, told you what you had to pay. 
Mm. And they basically, you know, ran the routes, controlled the shots. But now advertisers have the ability to swap and change publishers, you know, at, at any signal. So it's, it's an interesting time. So a lot of what we do for our clients is benchmarking their costs and their performance, okay? Right. And it's interesting that uh, your company or the company you're working for is called Benchmarketing, mm. okay? Because um, one of the questions I get asked is, what is the benchmark for programmatic buying? What is the what should people be paying mm. to have their ads served? And I say, look, you know, this is my perspective. It's a open trading environment and that the cost is actually going to depend on a whole lot of factors such as, you know, the type of audience you're trying to deliver into and the environment and that sort of thing. Mm. But do you believe there's a benchmark for programmatic buying? The great thing about what programmatic buying allows you to do is it allows you to be accountable to things that you care about as an advertiser. So unlike in the past where you had to even pretend you cared about TARPs and REACH and CPM, whereas that's a publisher term. Uh, in reality, brands care about sales, revenue, and things that will affect it or that you can attribute to affecting it. So that's kind of the, the, the focus of everything really. And if you can, if you can show that uh, and have accountable metrics to it, you're gonna get a, a much stronger campaign as a result. And their benchmarks should be their own benchmarks, shouldn't mm. they? You know, if it's, if it's cost per acquisition through, across other channels, then that should be the benchmark here. If their objective of doing programmatic buying is mm. to get acquisition, right? I think there's a phenomenon that as humans, we like to try and simplify everything. So when people ask for a benchmark, they just want to know what's the rate card. <laughs> you know, they're still stuck in that mentality of saying, um, so how much is it going to cost? What I would consider to be a better principle around benchmarking is to understand the principles of um, defining the correct goal. Um, the objective. And, yeah, yeah, defining the correct objective and understanding uh, what funnel is gonna make sense for a consumer to reach that objective. And once you get that, then I believe that you can get a, a bespoke uh, and really a proprietary understanding of what your benchmark is in your industry and also what attribution model uh, is right for your product and your, and your industry. There are ways that you can do competitor research and there's a lot of great companies out there like Ad Clarity and What Runs Where that you can collect business intelligence, understanding of programmatic buying and so on. But ultimately, the results are gonna come from clinical testing. You're going to have to be in market with funnels and goals uh, and really test how audiences are interacting with ads and use all of those capabilities to optimize towards. And multivariance testing and that type of thing, so that Correct. you're looking at not just at the delivery of the message, but the different messages and what's more effective. Exactly. It's, it's really about finding out what is the magic formula for you as, as the particular advertiser. And, uh, and that does come with a lot of testing, and it breaks a lot of the molds that advertisers have traditionally thought of, which is, you give me the media plan, I'll sign off on it, and then we'll talk at the end. Now, we've got uh, 
quite a lot of large multinational and largely consumer goods companies that we work with mm. that have made a global decision not to do any programmatic buying right. because, and this is their you know typical quote, we're not convinced it delivers results. Okay, right. now. Uh, but are there times, I'm not going to get you to justify whether that's right or wrong, sure. but are there times that marketers should not be using programmatic buying? What are the times that you know it's not right to consider? Uh, look, the times when they should not be using programmatic buying are when they are uh, have trialled it with a vendor that's not... Um, fit and capable of delivering it properly. Uh, I think one of the big problems in the industry is that the term programmatic is thrown around so much, but oftentimes there's vendors that will tick the box of programmatic by just buying it like a traditional buy within one network, like GDN for instance, and say, we're doing programmatic, we have a conversion pixel and we're in GDN ticked. But ultimately what happens is that the results aren't there uh, because it's not a set and forget approach. Um, it's one that requires understanding of what metrics to listen to and then a system for checking whether you're on the right path and whether your tests are actually working. Exactly. So I'd say if that's the case then it's better not to do it at all than to do it in a set and forget type of way. Uh, and the well, yeah. let, let me put this: um, Do you think programmatic stacks up well with building mass awareness, for instance? Because there are a lot of mediums that will deliver mass awareness. Mm, sure. I mean, look, there's so many programmatic channels, whether it be AdWords, GDN, Yahoo, AppNexus, Facebook, that I think every or most advertisers understand that consumers are online and spending a lot of time online, whether it be desktop, mobile, tablet. So to be able to interact with them in a meaningful way needs to consist of an online component. I think everyone agrees with that. And then one thing I, I would hope that most people agree with is that the most efficient way of interacting with people online is through programmatic technology because unlike the abilities of a human to select where an ad is placed we're talking about billions of impressions and millions of data points and it's more and more important to uh, use technology to actually scale that so if you want to speak to a large audience if you're a large advertiser then you can do that uh, but it's as as important to be in those places as it is to uh, assign the right metrics so that you know you're doing it properly. Mm. Um, I had a, a very senior CMO for a large company contact me um, suggesting that he needed a new uh, media agency because uh, he never saw any of his ads online. Right. Okay, and uh, I suggested to him that would be because they, using a programmatic um, uh, uh, platform, mm -hmm. that uh, they'd blocked the IP address for the company. And I said to him, when do you go online? And he goes, oh, at work. 
And I said, well, it could be that they're not serving ads to you. Mm. Um, and he, went, he, he was visibly shocked that you could actually do that. Yeah. Um, so what other filters are there that, uh, that people can use? You know, because uh, in the old days, the first thing you did was make sure there was an outdoor ad yeah. uh, on the route for the CEO from his home to his office so he could see the new campaign or that uh, it was run on Sunday night at 7.30 or 8.30 mm -hmm. on television so that it was guaranteed that the CEO or the board would see the new campaign. Yeah. Um, programmatically, uh, what can be done? It's funny, I've spoken to a lot of agencies and, you know, one of, uh, one of the ones last month in Melbourne spoke about how when they have a big production launch, uh, they do a lot of print advertising and they always get uh, one of their, uh, one of their uh, managers to run out to the coffee shops around the boss, around the boss's house and place all of the um, magazines there so that she knows they're doing the work. Um, <laughs> so it, 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 is, it is sometimes like that, particularly, you know, with um, sort of old school uh, execs that want to just see that something's happening. But in the online space, what we find is just as important as who you show the ad to. It's also as important to decide who you don't show the ad to. So when, when I spoke earlier about how we interact with first party data, that's a really important sec section because when we segment a customer base, we're looking at how far you got in the funnel, uh, what products you looked at, the source of traffic you came from and the interests that you might have uh, shown to us based on different publishers that you landed on. And if, for instance, you're selling a product which means that usually a customer won't buy it more than once, then you really need to tag that particular customer as a negative segment and not show them ads. Uh, the same thing goes with how we target uh, new audiences. You really want to find out where there's potential pockets of customers by running a sort of open and broad campaign and then narrowing in. But once you narrow in, then it's about carefully deciding where you serve an impression so that if I had to com compare it with an analogy, it would be more of a sniper approach than a machine gun. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Um, but it's interesting how uh, when you try and take the old world or the traditional media models into this area, mm. um, a lot of the traditional paradigms immediately fall to bits, don't they? Well, the first uh, shift that we see is that advertisers are used to running a static plan. And that's a real shake-up because... When we initiate a plan in terms of a media mix, channel selection, ad types, and so on, we do it in such a way where we've got backup channels and backup ad types, and we can constantly be testing both AV and multivariate on which ones are going to get the most success. Yeah, because it, it is a constant optimization. Mm. You really, you know, the, there's the pool of all people online and what you're trying to do is what's the most effective and efficient way to reach the specific people that you want to reach in a way that you get a response, yeah. Correct. There's also another assumption that's broken uh, and is a, a point that needs to be looked at differently in that whilst traditional media usually offers advertisers 
a simplified flat CPM. So in essence, they know what they will be getting and maybe you know the agency over delivers and everyone's happy. In programmatic buying, the buying is done in a dynamic framework. So when we assess what the likelihood is of you completing a certain conversion goal, uh, we can bid on you differently um, and with different urgency and show you ads in a different um, uh, number of touch points and so on. So uh, it becomes one where you've got a lot more flexibility to communicate in a more personalized way. Mm. Uh, and that's, I think, what's getting a lot of marketers quite excited. It means that you can do things like sequencing and yeah. uh, really plan the story, which is what ultimately marketers want And allows to you to invest in the high value customers mm. to actually get a conversion there. You know, so, so there's that uh, evaluation as well as to whether it's worth with a particular customer and their behavior, pursuing them with a, say, a sequencing event mm. to actually get them to convert, yeah? Correct, you can adjust the creative to dynamically change based on the value of that particular customer. So for instance, if you know that a section of your customer base is a very high spender, then you may want to bid on them more aggressively or dynamically populate the creative with a better offer. So for those audiences that say, you know, are, are booking a family trip, say it's a travel campaign, uh, you may want to give them a higher discount because you know that their overall lifetime spend is greater. So even though the cost of acquiring them is more, the conversion rate is probably going to increase by giving them a more uh, interesting offer because you know, based on CRM data, that they're a more valuable customer. So it's, it's exactly like what a salesperson would do when you're in the shop and they've served you multiple times so they know that you're going to come back, so they give you an offer that they wouldn't give to somebody else. Now you can do that on the fly with scale uh, and as a result, it's getting a much, much better cut through for it, It's brands. like um, traditional direct marketing, you know, the Lend, Les, um, Lester Wonderman mar direct marketing uh, meets direct selling meets mm. media all wrapped up into one. But there's there's something in, um, that uh, people, uh, many marketers are uh, confused by. At the ANA Advertising Financial Management Conference last year in the US in May, they put up a slide that said in one trade, in one serve of one ad, there can be between, I think it was five and eight different customer, uh, different companies involved. Right. So yeah, there's the publisher, there's ad exchanges, there's demand side, there's sell side, mm. there's the programmatic platform, there's the trading desk here. They had this huge ecosystem for one trade and all these different people. Yep. Why is it so complex? Why are there so many uh, vested interests involved in delivering one trade? Well, to so the first question, why is it so complex? I think there's a few factors in that. So firstly, it's new. One of the elements is that TV, for instance, has been around for, you know, 60 odd years and programmatic buying has been around for just over 10, but for a lot of companies, you know, within five um, years. So it's a new space and because of that and because that it's so aligned with trying to 
use huge sections of data to find your customers, um, it's naturally complicated. The other reason I would put to, I guess, why there are so many uh, companies in the mix is that because it is online and because it involves so many data points which more and more advertisers are feeling the need to own and control and be on top of, the industry demands a higher level of transparency. So advertisers want to know exactly which companies are involved in the mix uh, and you know understand what their role is. Uh, the other thing is as well obviously that you know it's a multi-billion dollar industry now. So um, because of that there's obviously a lot of different companies trying to get a slice of the pie. So um, it's really important for advertisers to decide when selecting vendors what their role is in the mix and whether it you know is valid and can be justified by the costs. And then if so, um, how to use them to the most effective um, means. Yeah, so Gil, you brought up the big T word, you know, <laughs> transparency. Yeah. Because, you know, it seems that that's what uh, the big fear factor is, mm -hmm. is this lack of transparency. So as someone that is clearly, you know, and, and benchmarking uh, major players in, in programmatic buying, um, what is the way that you position transparency to your customers? And do you think it's as big an issue as perhaps the trade press is blown it up to be? Well, transparency is a large concept and it can refer to a lot of things. It can refer to um, transparency over the goal, transparency over the um, media margins and transparency over the attribution model. So for us, when, when we hear a lot of um, the topic around transparency, Often it's advertisers asking about um, how many companies are in the mix and who's taking what cut and so on. But I believe there's actually a larger issue at hand before uh, you know, diving into whether the industry is transparent or not. It's actually, is there transparency over which goal an advertiser should be focused on and holding their vendor or agency accountable to? I think there's a big gap often between advertisers receiving reports that show either conversion data or impression data that's not transparent or accurate. Um, so it is a big word. I think the industry is adding a lot of technology to allow greater transparency so that advertisers can uh, own or be in control of their own data. Um, but it is one where because the space is so complex and there's so many companies in the mix, um, it's going to have that um, sphere of opacity. But, you know, I think it's, uh, it's an area that's getting a lot better um, and one where as long as advertisers understand how to hold their vendors and agencies accountable to what they truly care about, the problem of transparency, I think, will be minimised because there will actually be true value being delivered. Well, look, at least you didn't answer like the um, chairman of uh, Group M who said, we're transparent about the fact that we're not transparent, <laughs> was, uh, was his response to that question. So, right. look, I think uh, uh, the key message that I hear you uh, expressing here is that if you're going into programmatic buying without a clear objective, 
and a clear understanding of the value of achieving that objective, then you could very quickly end up wasting your time and money. Correct. And, and, and you won't have the tools at your disposal to hold those who are delivering that uh, medium um, to account. And I think that's the most important thing. The biggest shift that I've seen, the most exciting one for advertisers, is it's really the first time where the power is in their hands to control the effect and the outcome of their media buying. Mm. Uh, and that means working closely with your vendor and agency to do that, but it is about making sure that the goals are transparent, that the attribution model is understood, uh, and that the media buying is done in a way which is ensuring that you're continually getting better. So cost per thousand is not a way to buy uh, when you're doing programmatic buying? Well, it is a way to buy, but it should be um, bought dynamically. Mm. So uh, it is a way to buy. Whether well, but that's about impressions. Yeah, well, whether you buy on a CPM basis within the ad networks and exchanges or a CPC basis, it doesn't really matter. It's ultimately about whether you're optimizing towards another an effective goal. Um, so what usually we'll run with is a dynamic CPM model with an action goal um, that's being optimized to and not necessarily leaning on these kind of easier metrics. So even if you're running a CPM buy because it's just an awareness play, um, there are layers of technology to ensure that that, uh, that impression is actually seen so you can add a viewability layer on it. Mm -hmm. But you know, Google's definition of viewability is that 50% of the pixels within the banner uh, load for a minimum of half a second. <laughs> so you, know, you have to be a very vigilant consumer to pick that one up. That is, there it was. <laughs> you know, so There's half of it. <laughs> correct. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, advertisers will um, be complacent with a agency metric like clicks. But what I say is, you know, clicks uh, with a 95% bounce rate are useless. Mm. So you need to start thinking about how you can ensure that your consumers are doing what you want them to once they actually get to the site. Mm. And that might be reading an article, it might be interacting with a, a microsite, sharing, yeah, or, or obviously um, submitting a lead or buying. Mm. But it's just about giving the advertiser that control to ensure they're optimizing to what's happening once that person gets to their uh, online asset. Gil, this has been fascinating, but unfortunately we've run out of time. I've just got uh, one last question for you, and that is, uh, do you have any ad blocking software on your uh, browser?